Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Look at verse 1. Then... Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made a supper, and underline this, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas is his name, Simon's son, who betrayed him, Jesus, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And then he said, Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said in verse 7, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. But for the poor, but the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom they had raised from the dead, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death Also, because in verse 11, on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Stop right there. Give me your attention. I want you to look at verse one again. And it tells us that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was. Uh, Look at chapter 11. Go back up just to chapter 11 and verse 57. It tells us there's an all points bulletin issued for Jesus arrest. And then we go to chapter 12, verse one, and it says, therefore, or some of your Bibles like mine, the new King James says, then Jesus came back to Bethany. So we know that his hour is coming. Now, remember, as we're moving through John, look at me, please. As we're moving through John, we know that as we see this phrase, his hour had not yet come, we know that the hour that we're talking about is the hour of his crucifixion. The hour in which Jesus is going to be crucified and die on the cross, that hour is not yet come. But here we see now that hour is drawing near. We moving in chapter 12, we're moving more to war and it's feeling a little bit more intense now because we're drawing near that hour. Jesus is moving into danger, not away from it. This is the Passover when he will die. Look at verse two. 
While in the house of Bethany, they made Jesus dinner. And this is not just any ordinary dinner. This is a celebration dinner. This is a thank you, Jesus dinner for raising Lazarus from the dead. Look at verse one. It tells us, and Lazarus is right there. You see that verse one where Lazarus was there and write this in your margins. Matthew 26, six tells us they are in the home of Simon, the leper. Now, saints, I want you to keep your finger here and go with me to Luke chapter seven. Go with me to Luke chapter seven, Luke chapter seven. I don't hear your pages turning. Okay, that's better. Luke chapter seven. All right. And it's on page 913. Luke chapter seven. And we're just going to peruse right here in Luke just for a minute. But here in Luke chapter seven, I, I bring you here because this is a similar story of the woman with the alabaster box who anointed Jesus, but it's not the same story. Look at Luke 7. Uh, Luke 7 is in the home of Simon the Pharisee. Look at, look at verse 36. Uh, verse 36, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. So we know that um, Jesus is in the home of, and as you keep reading, you'll see his name is Simon the Pharisee. So same name, different person. John 12, Jesus is in the house of Simon the leper. Here, Jesus is in the house of Simon the Pharisee. Again, same name, different person. And the reason we know it's different because a leper could not be a Pharisee. Somebody say amen. A leper can't be a Pharisee. Also, if you look carefully at the story, Simon the Pharisee is in Galilee. And Simon the leper is in Bethlehem in in Jerusalem. In the story of Simon the Pharisee, the woman, as you read on through this story, you'll see that the woman is a notorious sinner. If you read on in the story, you'll see that in your own time. In this story, the woman's a notorious sinner. In John chapter 12, Mary of Bethany, the woman, is a godly worshiping woman. Look at verse 44 of chapter 7 through verse 47. When the woman wiped Jesus' feet, the Pharisee said to him, if this man were a prophet, he would never let this woman touch him. If he were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is. And Jesus turned to him and said, listen, Simon, let's get something straight. When I came into your house, you didn't offer me any hospitality. Y'all traveling with me through 44 and 47? You didn't offer me any hospitality. You didn't wipe my feet. This woman hasn't ceased to weep and wash my feet with her tears and wipe my feet with her hair. Now, in John chapter 12, we have Mary of Bethany, the godly woman. Go back there. John chapter 12. We have Mary of Bethany, the godly woman. In Luke 7, we have an ungodly woman. Now, listen, saints, I tell you that. And make that very clear distinction for you, because I want you to understand that we have these two different people. One woman is notorious and ungodly, and one woman is famous and godly, and yet Jesus received both their worship equally. Did you get that? He received the worship from this notorious woman in Luke 7, just the same as he received the worship from this famous godly woman. Why? Why does Jesus receive one the same as the other? Because saints, listen, I think Jesus understands something that we have yet to grasp. And Jesus understands before the throne of God, 
all righteousness is filthy rags in the sight of God. Do you understand that all of our unrighteousnesses, Isaiah 64, let me have it on the screen for you. 64, 6 says, we are all like an unclean thing and all of our unrighteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Listen, before the throne of God, no one is more accepted than the other. I need everybody in here to say amen. And I'm going to wait while you clap your hands right there. Yep, you ought to be happy about that. Nobody is accepted more than the other. And we also should understand from our human estimation, we aren't more godly. And from our human estimation, we aren't more ungodly. The Bible says that all of your unrighteousness is as as filthy rags in the sight of God. Therefore, we can conclude that Jesus, watch this, saints, I'm trying to help you, listen. Jesus sees sin as sin. Sin, period. What Jesus sees is unrighteousness. No sin makes you more unrighteous than another. All sin is sin. Stealing a candy bar is equal to murder. Did y'all hear me? Stealing a candy bar is equal to murder. Rape is equal to, you know, stealing a bike. All sin is sin. It's all unrighteousness to God. All of our sin is deserving of God's wrath. Sin in God's economy is not on a scale. Now, you, on the other hand, we put sin on a scale. Because we look at some sin and go, oh, well, that's worse than that. Well, drinking is worse than uh, homosexuality, and, or, or homosexuality is worse than, 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 than pedophilia, and murder is worse than rape, and rape is worse than stealing a bike, and bike, stealing a bike is worse than stealing a candy bar. We put sin on a scale. God does not do that. All sin is sin to God. All of it is deserving of God's wrath. And when you start calling sin certain things and start putting it on a scale, that's when self-righteousness comes into play. Because you start thinking that you're not as bad as they. And of course, we can always find somebody better than you. I know that's not a word. Y'all like, oh, that ain't no word. I know that. But you can always find somebody worse than you, can't you? So We can't be those kind of people. Sin is sin to God. No excuses. Write it down. Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, not even. How many saints? One. Jesus is looking for a broken and contrite heart. And that's what Jesus saw in that woman. A broken heart that was weeping. Although she was an awful sinner, her heart was right and he received her. And listen, if you're religious, you are having a real tough time with what I'm saying right now. Now, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But if you're a religious person, you're having a real tough time with what I'm saying right now because what I'm talking about is the grace of God. And religious folk don't understand God's grace. Some preachers are afraid to preach grace because they, 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 they call it greasy grace. Y'all ever heard that? Y'all ever heard that? It's called greasy grace. Uh, Pastor Scott, you heard it, haven't you? Greasy grace. Uh-huh. Greasy grace means that if you teach people 
that they are free in Christ and Jesus died to set them free. And that if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, that you can come to him and ask him to forgive you and God will forgive you. And and as far as the east is from the west, so shall your sin be far from him and, and God will love you and restore you. And that's grace. Grace is an acronym for grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. So when you teach that, preachers are afraid of that because they think that if you tell people that, that people are going to go out and sin it up. Because they're going to think, well, I can just go out and sin it up because all I'm going to do is come back and ask God to forgive me and God will forgive me and we'll be right back on track. When in fact, listen. If you understand grace the way the Bible teaches grace and you understand what Jesus Christ has done for you and how he died on the cross and how he suffered, bled and died and was beaten for you and and he did that so that you might live, he died that you might live, that's not going to cause you to go out and sin it up. That's going to cause you to get before his presence and live a holy life. It actually works the opposite way. Am I right about that? It's, going to, it's not going to cause you to go sin it up. When you understand grace, you're going to go, you know what, Lord, thank you. God, thank you. Where am I saying that? God, thank you. And you ain't going to go out and sin it up. You're going to go out and say, God, I love you. Thank you for doing that for me. And, and then when you do sin, you're going to go, oh, man, it breaks my heart. Oh, man, I can't do it anymore. Oh, that's my sin action. Oh. You're just going to go, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore because I hurt the heart of God. There ain't nothing greasy about grace. Grace is solid. Grace is, it, it, it connects us to God and gives us a right understanding of who God is. Well, back to our story. This is an interesting group of people invited to this guest dinner. Have you, in Matthew 26, write that down. And Mark 14, you put all that together. And we are again in the house of Simon the leper. We're in his home. Now get this, watch this. Church tradition tells us or teaches us that Simon, what I like to say is the used to be leper because Jesus healed him. That Simon, the used to be leper, church tradition tells us that he is the father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Isn't that interesting? That he's their father. And I think that for Simon, it's an honor for Simon the leper to have Jesus in his home because let's just face it, lepers didn't get many RSVPs in those days. And uh, if you do a study in the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about leprosy. Anybody know? Well, here's here's your test. Here's your test. Listen, anybody know the three men in the Old Testament that had leprosy? Anybody know? Just yell it out right where you are. Anybody know? Naaman, very good. You, you're good. All right, Naaman. you like, Naaman? <laughs> yeah, Naaman. And then the other is Gehazi. Write it down if you don't know it. Naaman, the Syrian. Gehazi, uh, Elisha's servant. And anybody know the last one? Very important. King Uzziah. Don't you remember Isaiah? In the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train, filled the temple. King Uzziah, 
had leprosy and he was healed. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 tells us how to diagnose leprosy, leprosy and how they should be treated. And at some point, the priest declared a man unclean. If a man is declared unclean, he lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his loved ones, he had no girlfriend, no job, no one. He was isolated from the community and the church. A leper was a social outcast. If you were a leper, you had to watch me. If you were a leper, you had to walk with your hand over your mouth like this. And if you got within six feet of anyone, you had to, uh, by law, cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. He had to walk around wrapped in leper's cloth. He had to live in a leper colony. And in his mind, he was as dead as Lazarus. So understand, it was an awesome thing to sit at the table with Jesus who was healed. And make no mistake, this is a big dinner party. Did y'all get this? This is a big dinner party at Simon's house. There are at least 17 people at this dinner that we know of. There's the 12 disciples plus Jesus. That's 13. And then you have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus. That's 16. And then Simon the leper. That's 17. And then look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. It tells us that a great many of the Jews were there. So uh, that's an untold number. I I would think that maybe Zacchaeus is there because it wasn't long ago that Jesus forgave him and maybe used to be blind Bartimaeus is there. And so they're at this big dinner. And can you imagine what the table conversation was like? I bet you they were talking about Jesus because in some way, are y'all with me? In some way, Jesus had a connection with all of those people. I bet you they probably had a testimony service. Y'all know what I'm talking about? In the black church, y'all, we had testimony service. Who knows what I'm talking about? Anybody know? Raise your hand nice and high. Okay. Raise it again. All right. Raise it. Oh, even some white folks raise their hand. Okay, good. All right. That's good. All right. And so we had testimony service. And you go to the church and your testimony service. I actually like that. I love testimony service. And so and testimony service had a protocol. Y'all remember? It had a protocol. There was a way to do it. If you didn't do it right, you better sit down. All right? You had a, had a, t- a protocol. So you would sit down and you wait for your turn, for the right opportunity. And then when it's your turn, you stand up and you say, well, um, this is how you start it. Here's the protocol. You go, well, giving honor to God who is the head of my life. First of all, am I right about it? First of all, I want to thank God. I want to thank him that I'm saved, sanctified, filled and thrilled with the precious Holy Ghost and that with fire. Remember that? <laughs> and, then, and then you say, and I, I'm going to acknowledge the pulpit because you, you better acknowledge that pulpit, right? I want to acknowledge the pastor and his first lady and all the ministers here. First of all, I want to thank God. He saved my life. Hallelujah. Shandalabobo. And then you just go off into whatever it is, right? So I'm just thinking they had a testimony service. And Simon, Simon probably stood up and he said, you know, I want to thank Jesus. And Jesus was sitting right there. So he's like, I want to thank Jesus for healing me. And uh, one day my skin was peeling and now it's smooth as baby bottom. And blind Bartimaeus probably stood up and said, I want to thank God. You know, and Jesus probably sitting there. You know, I want to thank God because I, like the guy in John 9, was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. 
And Lazarus, he's fresh out of the grave. He would just stand and say, he probably just stand and just kind of clear his throat like, <clears throat> I mean, he's been dead for four days. He needed to clear his throat, you know what I mean? So he would stand and go, <clears throat> first of all, I want to uh, uh, thank the Lord. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thank the Lord. Uh, I was dead uh, just yesterday. And... Um, I'm enjoying fellowship with the, I was enjoying fellowship with the angels and, and with the father. And all of a sudden I felt this tap on my shoulder telling me that my sisters came up with a bright idea to bring me back to this earth. And, uh, they decided they needed me. So then they went and got Jesus and Jesus stood at the grave and said, Lazarus, just you. I heard the whole thing. And I said, okay, bummer. I got to come back to the earth, but I want to praise God that I came forth in the new life. And you know, I love testimony, and I tell you that to tell you this. You know, don't let the devil bludgeon you and keep you from giving your testimony. Because the Bible says that we overcame by the blood of the Lamb, where am I saying that? And the word of our testimony. You overcome by your testimony. Am I right about it? And sometimes I think, you know, we, we get, especially now in the world we live in, everything is so weird. Isn't it? It's just weird. You look at something and go, it's weird. And it's okay to, 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 you know, worship whatever God you want. It's okay to go to work on Monday and talk about this, that, and the third that you did on Saturday and Sunday, lewd and lascivious, and people go, oh, ha, 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 oh, yeah. Or you worship, you went to this temple, or you did this, that, or the other. But as soon as you mention the name Jesus, everything comes to a screeching halt. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. That's why. That's why. And I think we kind of give into it as Christians, and we like, you know, well, you know, we don't want to talk about because Christian, but it's not popular to be. I don't care if it's popular to be a Christian. I ain't looking for popularity. If I was looking for popularity, I'd get out of the pulpit. Because contrary to popular opinion, there ain't nothing popular about being the preacher. Nowadays, you know, I don't even tell people I'm the preacher because everybody want to change and act all weirdos. Amen. But you can't let Satan bludgeon you and push you in a corner and so you don't want to give your testimony because you don't want anybody to think you're weird. You keep telling people about Jesus. You don't know what word you might say. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's what I'll do. You don't know what words you might say or what might come out of your mouth or what seeds might be being sown because you spoke a word about Jesus. Stand up and give your testimony. There's something very freeing about giving your testimony. And, and to me, look, if you can talk about whatever you want to talk about, then I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. And if you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you what to do. Hallelujah. Right? So give your testimony. I, I honestly believe they were probably having a testimony service. Look at verse 2. We got to move on. They made him dinner. And, I, and, I, and it struck me, Martha, Martha, Martha served. I like that. 
Remember in Luke chapter 10, Martha's all upset that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and not helping make lunch. And she burst out of the kitchen doors and said, Jesus, you don't care. I'm doing all the work here. And she's sitting there doing nothing. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're all up in arms about many things. But Mary has chosen the better part. Remember that? And in verse 2, it tells us they made him a supper and Martha served. Martha served. Not Martha complained. Not Martha wine, but Martha served. It's no secret that Martha is different than her sister Mary. Different doesn't mean better. Different just means different. Martha's giftings are different. Martha has a gift of hospitality. And the problem with people with certain gifts is they think everybody ought to have the gift that they have. Listen, God has given us different gifts. He's given the body different gifts so we can be a blessing to one another. First Corinthians, write it down. First Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one to profit with all. Martha's gift is hospitality. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.